You're listening to The Exchange, and here's your host, Dr. Lorraine. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Exchange Podcast. I'm so honored today to have my guest, Sister Lori Wagner, and she's going to be speaking to us about women in ministry. She's written several books on the subject. And I'm so excited for her to share so many of the wonderful things that she has written about. Sister Wagner, thank you so much for agreeing to be our guest today on The Exchange. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's good to be with you today. So Sister Wagner and I were um, both went to UGST and we were both students. So um, we have known each other for a while now, got to be uh, in-person students who are coming down with them. are some of our uh, intensive classes. So I'm so thankful to have been able to get to know her. So Sister Wagner, for those of um, our audience who do not know you, can you just kind of just tell us a brief summary about you, what you do, your family, education, where you're from, ministry, and all that wonderful stuff? Sure. I'll uh, keep that short. (laughs) We could spend a lot of time there, but uh, I'm from Paducah, Kentucky, and I grew up there uh, till I was 16, and then I moved here and there and all over. I've lived in Texas and Michigan now. I live here in Michigan with my husband, uh, Bill. I, uh, uh, my education uh, was uh, kind of uh, stilted. I was grew up in a situation where there was a lot of uh, turmoil. Mm -hmm. There was many uh, marriages, Mm -hmm. several, um, several father, stepfather, mother, stepmother situations, movement happening. And I just didn't have the opportunity to really proceed forward with my education Mm -hmm. out of high school because I went to three different high schools and graduated midterm. So it was just kind of crazy. I tried to go on my own, but I was fully self-supporting and it just wasn't working out. So as a younger person, I never achieved anything more than a few credit hours of college. And then later, as I got into church, I I always wanted to pursue higher education. I, I love learning. And uh, I was so thrilled to have the opportunity to join the Urshan family and continue there. And so I did gain my master's in theological studies mm-hmm. last year, and I'm pursuing uh, a PhD in interdisciplinary studies today. I was ordained in uh, 2017 with mm-hmm. the United Pentecostal Church. I serve on rotation with my local church in pulpit ministry, leading, teaching, and preaching. I've done all different kinds of things there from Sunday school to girls club to uh, praise singing, uh, outreach director, Purpose Institute, campus administrator, just all different kinds of things uh, locally, been involved in the community with National Day of Prayer, things like that. Uh, But I'm also a an enrolled evangelist. I've considered full-time, even though I'm not full-time on the road, but because I am out X number of events and days a year, I am a full-time enrolled evangelist with the United Pentecostal Church. Very cool. And you also mentioned to you before that you are part of the Women in Ministry Network. So if that's also something that you are a part of. Yes, I've served with the World Network of Prayer, and I still am on the executive planning committee of that, and I'm on the 
committee for the Women in Ministry Network Committee. Awesome. So you've got a lot of things that you have done, a lot of ministry things, and, and you continue to travel and and minister out. And so um, I wanted to just kind of go into some of the um, things that you have talked about in your book. So then for all of you, I have I have the book with me for all, it's kind of it's fuzzy, but uh, preach like a lady. And I really love this book, a handbook for women in ministry, and you've written several books, um, but I really, and then it's also like the gender, I have this one here, gender and ministry, which is also part of this too, but I wanted to talk about, uh, I wanted to go from the beginning, and I wanted to talk about what it means to be a helpmate. Um, in your book, you talk about what that means and kind of explain it from the studies, and you're not just kind of explaining it from just reading it, but you have gone in and you have studied what the Hebrew word means and all of this. So can you just kind of start with that, explaining what that means? Sure. And I think that's the most important place to start because we don't really understand who we were created to be based on the fall because Jesus went to Calvary for that, right? (laughs) We want to understand who we were created to be before the fall. And so we understand who Adam was created and who Eve was created to be in Genesis 1 and 2. And we know that Eve, it says that she was created to be a helpmate. But what was she created from? She was created, she was taken, there was something taken from Adam. Adam was created in the image of God and then something was taken from him. So that means that he wasn't the full image anymore and God took that same essence and he made a female that was like Adam and we think about a woman and a man and and we think about it in terms of like lion and lioness you know it's not it's more the same than different they're just the same species and but one is not subordinate to the other they are created because they're alike and so the word ezer means uh or uh help me comes from two hebrew words and the first one is ezer and it means aid and help and i love this word because first of all its primary meaning comes from a, a root word that means like girding and surrounding and defending Defending. And so we think about it means it's not a weakness, but it's a strengthening. God gave Eve to Adam to strengthen him. But what's so beautiful about this word is that God uses this word for himself. He says that he is Israel's easer. You know, the word Ebenezer, the Ebenezer stone, the Lord is my help. And he says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from comes my help. My help cometh from the Lord. That's the easer. God is calling himself Israel's easer. And so we certainly can't use that word to say that it means anything about uh, a subordinate position. It's a it's a beautiful strength. It's an ally. It actually uh, was used to reference a military ally. And so it's a a beautiful, a beautiful term. And then the second word is a a Hebrew word, neged, and I might not be pronouncing them just right, but that means um, from the front part or 
and also is as over against. And it's like a comparative term. It implies that things are alike, but they're being compared. And so, and specifically in response to Genesis 1.27, it means corresponding to him. God made Eve a partner mm-hmm. corresponding to him. And in the rabbinical teaching, the word is often used in speaking of things which are like one another. So Eve was created for a face-to-face relationship with Adam and her very basic components her very essence was created from whatever the essence Adam was created of and Adam alone is not the full representation of the image of God and neither is the woman and that's why it's so important that we understand the power and the synergy and the dynamic when we will come together and work together as God originally created in the beginning. So I wanted to ask you too, going off of that question, is there are many that would say, well, Adam was made in the image of God, but woman was not made in the image of God. And so, you know, coming out, well, she was made. And so, you know, there's that line of it's God, Adam, and then the woman, but years you know in what you're saying and what you're referencing is that she was made in the image of god because she was taken from adam so when people kind of say that how would you continue to kind of go in that vein and be like well she was also made in the image of god it wasn't just adam right well if you continue reading the verses it says in male and female made he them in the image of god he made them male and female made he them that is all all the image of God. And if we're going to get really uh, theological about it, do we really think that God has fingers and body parts like we do? Or does he have feathers? Because the Bible talks about that too. Or, you know, I mean, these features that we have as human beings, those aren't the things that make us like God. It's the spiritual person that is like God and continues to become more and more like God as we walk with him. Mm-hmm. That's really great. And that's that's very beautiful to think that a man and woman is supposed to work together for God's purpose and together. And and that you know, the scripture that the cross-referencing of, you know, our help comes from the Lord and that warrior type of the aid. It's not like you know it's like the boss and the secretary of doing all this stuff it's like we work together as a team because we work together and we have our places but we're still very much like working together in for the kingdom of god right and every man and every woman has their unique gifts and strengths and so when we come together as a church And when we come together as a marriage, uh, we allow people to function in their gifts and strengths. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I wanted to go on to my next question. And I referenced that you're on page 231 of the book, um, Preach Like a Lady. And you talk about the relationship between a husband and a wife as we're going on the Adam and Eve. Can you explain how that relationship is different in ministry and in marriage? Yes. And uh, I want to say that I had a hard time originally wrapping my head around this because I was trying to compare all these things 
like they were apples, 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 but they're really not. Because if we look at the different types of government in the world, we see that there are different types Mm -hmm. of government. There's a civic government. And in the world today, I mean, even right now, we have a female vice president Mm -hmm. and we have gender plays no role in who can be a judge that could send a person to death row or not. Gender plays no role on who can write you a traffic ticket or not. And so we have in the civic government, we have specifications and they're set by those parameters. And then in the church, we have specifications set by the word of God. And in the family, we do as well. And we have to recognize that, first of all, Jesus, he said that the government of his church is not supposed to look like the government of this world. And he told we so much of the argument, for sake of a better word, about women in ministry is over the subject of authority and rule and all that. But Jesus is like, hey, you're not supposed to be domineering at all. Nobody's supposed to be doing that. And Jesus told his disciples that true leaders don't exercise authority over people, that if you want to be great, that you need to love people Mm -hmm. and that you need to be a servant. So true leadership, even in the church, is never meant to be about domineering or controlling. Jesus exemplified humility and servant leadership that leads to a true transformational leadership and he empowered people mm-hmm. he didn't he empowered them regardless of their gender regardless of their background and by his teaching and by his example he affirmed the worth of every person and he allowed women to travel with them he just broke every social and cultural barrier of his day he allowed women to learn to participate in his ministry, and he included them in his group of committed disciples. And in the home, uh, again, we have, going back to what I said before, we have different gifts. Uh, If we have stereotypes and things that we are comfortable with seeing, because we're comfortable with seeing them. But the reality is, is not every man is really great with numbers and may so maybe we shouldn't just automatically put the dude over the checkbook Mm -hmm. you might be setting yourself for up for failure if you do that maybe the lady's got a strong business acumen let people function according to their giftings and talk things out uh i mean i do believe in in my home i my husband and i have a great relationship Mm -hmm. and i don't go out and just do things without talking to him first and neither does he we're we're a team uh if it would but if it comes right down to it i have had a couple of ministry engagements where i was like guess where i got invited and he's like i really don't feel right about that mm-hmm. and i was like okay because we need to take be in agreement right. and he would listen to me if i said the same thing Mm-hmm. Um, he would listen. Um, he's going to make his own decision. But I feel like, you know, in the home, we really do uh, try to keep that balance mm-hmm. as well, allow people to exercise in their giftedness. We want both. We want 
I want to see him be the very best he can be. And he wants me to be the very best I can be for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And so it's really not about the book stops here, baby. <laughs> That's not a healthy relationship. Right. But yes, we do have structure and we I do defer to him when it comes down to that. But it just when you have a really healthy relationship, it doesn't look like that every day. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, that, and that just makes sense that you're, you know, that you have that healthy relationship where it's like you kind you want the best for each other, like you said, yes. um, in a marriage. And if you see something that maybe they can improve, you know, whether you're the husband or the wife, you know, helping each other grow together and not being like, well, I can't say that. I can't, I can't, um, I can't mention this to him, or I can't say that this is a bothering, you know, just being able to have that relationship and being open and being like, you know, bettering each other. And so I think that I appreciate you, you saying that because that's, that's how a good, a good balance. If we look at Ephesians five and the teachings of the word of God, we're supposed to be building each other up. Mm -hmm. If we're laying down our lives for each other, if we're preferring one another in love, um, it's really a beautiful thing. It's not a scary thing. We can trust. I trust his motive and he trusts mine. And mm -hmm. that's really a beautiful thing. So I wanted to go on and continue in uh, talking about um, the book, Preach Like a Lady mentioned before is that you have mentioned that women and men operate differently in ministry, which we know that they do. So can you explain why that's important and, and what does it mean, you know, to preach like a lady? What does that mean differently than what it means to minister or preach like a man? Well, one example that I heard a long time ago that's never left me because I think it's just so true is uh, from a book that's called uh, men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti <laughs> and men we just tend to like focus on one thing at a time like little right. boxes at one at a time and uh, we won't go into what's in that center box but <laughs> but men are always in their little boxes and women we see everything's just touching everything else and how everything impacts everything else and so when we take that into our our ministry we can see how we're going to function differently because we perceive things differently. And that's going to happen when we're ministering, speaking a message, when we're in pastoral ministry, especially, we're going to uh, approach things with the same goals and even with equal abilities, but with manners and methods that are very different because we input things differently and we deliver information differently. Now, Nobody wants to be stereotyped and not everybody fits in the stereotype, but right. generally women are more nurturing. We are really about the relationships. We uh, were very collaborative, especially when it comes to leadership. And so we offer a lot more on the gentler side, even especially in pastoral shepherding type ministry. Um, and when that gets pushed to the side, you can, and that, that voice isn't even allowed, say, in the conference room, in the boardroom, whatever, you can see how things can get off balance. And that's why it's really great to have uh, input from both 
men and women in leadership, but men, they bring their strengths as well. And we, we need it all. We need the strengths that God has given to every individual so that the church can work as optimally as possible. Mm -hmm. But preaching like a lady, let me just say this presentation matters. Presentation matters. I, I personally like to present myself as a, you know, a professional look. Uh, Other ladies might want to go up there and, uh, you know, lots of flowy stuff like that. Well, that's just not me. Um, I think we need to be authentic. uh, And some women are really quiet. Mm -hmm. And they need to be who they are. Mm -hmm. Or it's going to come across as fake. Right. You have got to be authentic and so be the real lady that you are and for some of us that sometimes it's loud and sometimes it's not and some sometimes uh it's quiet I'm just saying that to preach like a lady doesn't look like the same thing for every lady because we're all different Mm -hmm. and be a lady but don't feel like you have to present like some other person because there's no perfect person I think even if we studied the Proverbs 31 woman we would realize that that's not one person that's just a conglomeration of of ideals um be authentic be ladylike um but be true and present the message that God has given you with your personality and your giftings Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I wanted to mention and some things that I hear now and then is like you know one of the turnoffs for some women who are trying to minister especially if they're not used to having women minister in their congregation or or at conferences and it's kind of new to them in one way or another but just thinking like okay um, we don't like when women minister behind the pulpit and they act like men or that they raise their voice. This is the one I hear a lot. Like women shouldn't raise their voice when they're preaching. But to me, I think that, you know, some women are going to get excited and they're going to feel anointed and they're going to feel the power of the Holy Ghost. And they're just going to be kind of different, you know, each and every time because women are different and their personalities are different. And every message is different. I mean, even a man, a man's message, one day he might be yelling and the next day he might not. I mean, it really depends on the situation, the minister and the message. But I don't think we should limit somebody and say, you have to present this way every single time. That's it's not real. It's not real. Some messages we're passionate about. Jesus turned tables over mm-hmm. at one time, but then he was so gentle at other times. He reached out to people nobody else would reach out to. I mean, we can't say Jesus functioned in one certain method of ministry to all times. He spoke differently to the Pharisees than he did to other people. And Mm -hmm. so we will as well. I wanted to kind of just go back to uh, your point in talking about how that we we need women in like the board room. We need that balance. And I often think about something that something has mentioned has been mentioned in the counseling is that um, children who can be raised by a single parent. 
and they can be, you know, fine, healthy, but the most healthiest children are the ones that have both a mother and a father who have both parents that are speaking into their lives, you know, equally and have that kind of thing. And so also I feel like that can also be related to ministry is when you have both of those voices that are speaking you can be healthy when you're only being ministered to by a male or a female but having those both voices coming into your life and ministering that is the best the ideal the healthiest type of of shepherds that you want to have in your life i absolutely agree and um even just to expand on that point after when, when covid hit and it was time to reopen the church. Pastor asked me to lead the reopening committee, which mm-hmm. was something really new, uh, this team uh, approach. Um, and so we gathered people and we gathered people from the ladies ministry <laughs> and this, whatever, all these different. And we had people there that were in uh actually the dental field, but that was great because they were in the medical. We had people from all different and we were Zoom meeting and we were allowing people from all their different areas of expertise to speak. And then we would consider it and then we would vote and then we would say, okay, pastor, what do you think? And so we were doing this all together on the Zoom meeting. And so it was so healthy. It was so productive, allowing people at the same table because you would not have gotten all of those considerations that Mm -hmm. needed to be considered. And so I think that that just happens. It happens organically when we have men and women at the table. And I am not a person that believes in affirmative action and X number of this to X number of that. But I do believe that uh, the demographic of the leadership should be reflective of the people in the pews and that uh, people should have leadership uh, to look up to. If there, I think one of the reasons that we don't have a lot of uh, lady ministers is uh, that women haven't had the opportunity to see a lot of them. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, that's why I feel like whenever I have the opportunity, even though it's been awkward or I was the only one uh, on the Michigan campground before, you know, if they called the ministers up there, I went up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe me, those young ladies, they noticed. Mm-hmm. And um, we have to, we have to be visible. It's why I wanted to be at NAYC this year, not just I wanted to be there because I knew so many were going to be there. But in my heart, I was like, even if one girl never walked in that booth, we just need to be visible Mm -hmm. so that they can see. Yes, I can. Mm -hmm. There are other people doing it. And the organization is behind women in ministry. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's such a great point, being able to step out because that can be intimidating. It can be really intimidating. But just taking that step and doing it anyway, just because you know of the eyes that are watching you and the example that you are setting. So that's a really great point. So I wanted to go on to my next question. And I wanted to say that there are many notable women in scripture and throughout church history um, that we have, have been involved in ministry. And who are some of them who are not usually mentioned or that we automatically think of 
or are just unknown to most. And I know that you wrote a book, an amazing book on Willie Johnson. And yeah. so that is the one that I think of. But what are some of the other ones? And you can talk about Willie Johnson as well as that book. But what are some of the ones that in scripture and just in, throughout church history? Because there's so many incredible women that were just like, wow, I didn't know, you know. And I, I enjoyed modern Pentecostal movements class because of the things that I got to learn. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you Willie's story first since you brought it up. But um, Sister Willie Johnson uh, was uh, the daughter of a slave, granddaughter of a slave. She was born at the time where slavery was illegal, uh, but uh, it was there was still a lot of uh, racial tension. It was the time of um, uh, segregation. It was the law of the land. And her mother was a, a housemaid and her father was uh, a dignitary who used the woman and then did not acknowledge the child and she grew up in a very bad situation and at 17 her mother actually sold her even though it wasn't legal money changed hands to a man who was 25 years older than her and he was a coal miner and he he beat her with a, a four inch belt he was it was just a very 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 hard life she buried her child she and she was just going to end it all one day and on her way to jump off of the bridge and jump into the river she passed by the cemetery said goodbye to her child that she had buried and she was passing a storefront church a storefront building where they were having a revival meeting and she heard music filtering out into the street and she thought that's just beautiful I think I'll just stop in and listen for a few minutes before I go and so she went in and they were having a red hot revival meeting <laughs> and she went in there hopeless and she came out filled with the Holy Ghost and she was so excited she was jumping up and down she was yelling she grabbed the police officer by the lapels and said I got the Holy Ghost and he was like you've got what and she's like, I got the Holy Ghost. Everybody ought to have the Holy Ghost. And so she actually ministered for over five decades during segregation, during the Jim Crow laws as a biracial woman in the United Pentecostal Church when things were still, we were still getting our bearings. And, uh, but she really felt like she was called to this. And um, she had a powerful demonstration of supernatural gifts and a beautiful anointed a ministry of singing, but she would just call people out and move in the gifts like people weren't even used to at the time. And so she was powerfully used and beloved. I mean, she called people to ministry. She uh, acknowledged uh, Bobby Wendell's call uh, to Ethiopia. She was so integral in so many ministries. She did recordings with uh, Kenneth Haney at CLC. She spoke at all the Bible colleges. She sang at General Conference. She was just prolific and uh so i i loved writing her story the lord had told me that i needed to know her mm -hmm. and she was already gone and the only way that i could know her was to do research and so i got to doing the research and i knew that i had to share her story because we need to honor her legacy and we need to revive the type of ministry 
that she had. Uh, but in the Old Testament, I'll just share two that are really, I think it's so cool because when we think of the Old Testament, we think, oh, there was nothing happening with the ladies in the Old Testament. It was like pure patriarchy back then, right? Well, did you ever hear about a lady named Huldah? Huldah mm-hmm. mm-hmm. was uh, during the time of King Josiah, and she was a very influential woman. I, I don't won't go into all of it, but I will tell you that she was very noteworthy. And what's so important to me, uh, she was at the School of the Prophets. I mean, why was she hanging out at the School of the Prophets? But she was alive at the same time as two other well-known prophets, Jeremiah and Zephaniah. And when King Josiah, he took the throne when he was eight years old, you know, and then they started doing the reformations, rebuilding things, and they found the scroll. And so they have the scroll and the King Josiah is like, what is this? And he's got the priest and he's like, he t- says, take this and inquire of the Lord. Mm-hmm. What this means. And who did he take it to? Mm-hmm. Jeremiah? Mm-hmm. Zephaniah? No. Took it to Huldah. Mm-hmm. And Huldah interpreted it. She is actually the first person that ever referenced it as holy scripture. And she clearly and decisively and authoritatively proclaimed the word of God. She was a prophet and her word was received by the king and all the leaders. And it launched the reformations of the nation and it sparked a revival across the whole nation. Mm-hmm. This is huge. And then I love, of course, we all know Deborah, but Deborah was also, she was during the time of judges and she was, you know, they weren't all good judges. There was lots of bad judges. She was one of the few good judges, but she wasn't just a judge. She was a prophet and she was a leader. She judged, she ruled, and she led the nation even into battle in a time when the culture strongly favored male leadership. And people will say things like, well, God will use a woman when a man ain't around, but that's not the case. There were men around. She was chosen of God and she was commended even in the New Testament writings, Mm -hmm. right? God called Deborah to judge, to make decisions over the nation, to lead them into battle to declare the word of God. If he did that in the patriarchy, and now the the prophecies are fulfilled of Joel in that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Do you think that he's going to restrict women more in this era? It just doesn't make sense. And then, of course, we can look in the New Testament and we realize that there are women who we don't really discuss the fullness of their contributions. But Lydia and Priscilla and Chloe and Junia and Phoebe and these people, they were leaders. They were Paul's representative taking his letter and explaining it. And they were uh, they were influential. They were teachers and they were deacons. And so we just have to recognize and Paul if Paul gave his letter to these ladies if Paul recommended them as his fellow workers and co-laborers doing the same things that he was doing getting arrested and beaten for this very same type of ministry even though he did some corrective work in another church in another situation the same person commended these women as leaders in the church and so we just need to be careful and make sure that we are uh considering the whole 
counsel of the word of God when we are making doctrine about who can do what in the church. Yes, that is such a good point. And I love that you mentioned that because there are so many times when we kind of think that this is the square box. But when we look through the word of God, we see that God doesn't have a square box. Uh, we see so many times when God is using people that we don't expect to be used like women and and people that were you know fishermen and and outside the box god was always reaching and always wanting to use those people that no one else thought had any any worth or or mattered but you know god did that and so looking at the scripture through the whole matter i appreciate you saying that so i wanted to go into one of my last questions that i wanted to ask what is your advice to women who feel called to pulpit ministry as a woman who has a is ordained and ordination license and works in so many facets of ministry, what would you say to somebody who feels that and is kind of feeling unsure or just timid or intimidated? Well, first of all, I can totally empathize because I've been there. I mean, I just started out saying yes to whatever God asked me to do. I mean, and some people will have like this shazam moment. That's my snot on the carpet on the campground floor over there and they know I, when I was 12 when so and so preached I got my call right there and that wasn't it for me for me it was just kind of an unfolding that happened along the way of saying yes okay I'll do that even when it was very uncomfortable things at times that I didn't feel like I wanted to do when I said yes it opened a door and it prepared me and trained me in ways that I never would have received if I had said no. So it just starts out for me, my path was being a praise singer, being a Sunday school teacher, then being an assistant, and then being whatever, a girls, a girls club leader, a ladies leader, stepping out in the community, doing prayer ministry, uh, volunteering at the nursing home when there was a need. I'd never taught when I did that first junior Sunday school class. And I had, <laughs> I had a three ring binder with my notes all highlighted and I was flipping each page like a search for truth chart. And I had my visual, <laughs> it's still kind of who I am today. I was going to be prepared, but um, just do everything that you're asked to do to the very best of your ability for the glory of God, no matter who you're ministering to, they're worth it. Mm -hmm. They are worth it. No matter if it's a little kid, no matter if it's an elderly person in the nursing home, no matter if it's the congregation or adult class, whatever you're doing, do your very best as unto the Lord. And he sees and he will use you and open the doors in the right time. For me, um, I started writing and my books opened up opportunities to speak and also that public prayer ministry. And so I was actually out doing all these things, speaking, and I wasn't under my pastor's view. So in our organization, we have local general and ordained. And I got a local license first because I wasn't raised in church and uh, my husband wasn't in ministry. And I just felt like it gave um, 
and authentication that I was doctrinally sound, that I had my husband's blessing, my pastor's blessing, my district board's blessing. I wasn't out teaching crazy doctrine. I wasn't some crazy maverick out there. Um, and so I really felt to do that. And my pa- and then I realized, girl, you're not under your past. He doesn't even know what you're doing. You, you're not doing local licensed stuff. You're doing beyond that. And so I made myself accountable. I would bring back CDs and give them to and say, hey, this is what I did while I was gone. Because I wanted to be accountable and I also wanted to grow. Um, but so then a couple of years later, I went for the general. And then after that, I had an occasion to meet with Brother Bernard and he encouraged me to go for the ordination, that it does make a full proof of your ministry. And I do believe that uh, there was something that was added to the ministry with the ordination. It does, there is a certain level of authorization that you receive with each level. And I think that we just need to answer. Not everybody needs to be licensed for a pulpit ministry. Not everybody needs credentials, but for some people, it will open doors of opportunity that you might not have otherwise Uh, in the public. I had like the opportunity to uh, do the invocation at the opening of the Senate in the Michigan uh, House. Uh, Just opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise. You can get in and do visitations in hospitals and uh, things like that. But also, it allows you not only to have a voice, and I do believe that it's important if you're doing the work of the ministry to have a voice, but also to hear the great voices among us by participating in conferences and leadership and just receiving uh, communications that are available only at that level. And so I think it's just really valuable at every uh in so many ways if that's what god has called you to do well that is some good practical advice i appreciate you saying all of that and just you know if that's the way that you're to go um you know knowing that of course the women in ministry network is there to help uh, with women who are feeling that to be licensed and to go in that direction and uh and that have having that encouragement that backing yeah, and you're going to have to talk to your pastor first, obviously, because nobody can fill out an application or send in an application without their pastor's signature and approval. Um, and sometimes that happens the first time. And sometimes there's some growth that needs to happen first. Just don't be discouraged. You're, And I will say this. I was nervous about going before the board, but the board does not, for the, I could say, should, the board's desire is not to not credential people. We want to uh, increase the amount of qualified credential ministers. We want more boots on the ground. So it's not as scary as you think, and they're not against you. They are for you for the most part. Absolutely. I think about my experience going before the board, which is also nerve wracking, but they were also wonderful. And so I, it was totally not what I thought, but I was so thankful and they were, they were wonderful. So um, I wanted to kind of just come in in closing because I've just enjoyed my time with you as I always do, but I wanted to ask if there's anything else that you wanted to add about this subject or wanted to say to our listeners on the podcast. I would say 
that don't forget that the most important component of ministry is the minister's walk with God mm-hmm. and your personal devotion, your walk with God, your study, your consecration. Your ministry is going to flow out of that because you can get a great minister, you can get a great message off of YouTube but you're the vessel that's going to deliver it. You have to be a prepared vessel. Don't, and that doesn't mean that there aren't times. I mean, there's times I'm traveling. And so I might be shortchanging my regular devotion time, but I'm still spending hours in the word and ministry because I'm ministering, but always, always, always be faithful to your personal devotion and study. Um, develop every gift you have to your maximum potential as much as you can be a prayer person of prayer go out and pray with people even if it's not your norm God can grow you in that gift I was so so nervous about that the first time I went out to pray I was like out to minister at a big event I was like God I know I can do the message because I can I know the message, but I'm just so nervous about the prayer ministry because I'm not all that. I went and I prayed and and the first person I prayed for slain in the spirit. I was like, well, I guess it's not me after all. (laughs) If you, God will use you. He needs people that are willing to step out and do the work. And the people are coming with hunger and needs and ready to receive. And so just be faithful, be faithful to God, be faithful to your consecrations and be willing to step out and take a risk and follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. And if you feel like you didn't get it right, just wipe the dust off and get up and do it again. Because the enemy would like us to all sit down and shut up if we feel like we didn't do it just perfect the first time. But we're all still learning and growing. I've said stupid things from the pulpit that were wrong. I mean, just like I got somebody's father's name wrong and I I had just read in a verse, so-and-so, the son of so-and-so. And then I was like thinking, I wonder if they're related to, and I'm just like, just blow it. It's so dumb. How could you say that right from the pulpit? Erase, erase, erase. Now we're all going to say things and get things wrong from time to time, but don't let the enemy or feelings of insecurity or like I blew it just cause you to feel like, you know what? I'm just, I just need to stop. God wants to develop people. And even if it's not to a pulpit ministry, it he wants you to be courageous to talk to the person at the grocery store or in the next cubicle or whoever he brings into your life. So don't be afraid. He wants us to be open with him and unafraid with him so we can be open and unafraid to minister his word faithfully to the people that we come in contact, whether we're at a pulpit, in the altar, or out in our day-to-day life. Amen. Amen. Sister Wagner, where can we get your books? Because you have written many. So what is the best way to get a hold of them? And how many have you written, first of all, before we end the session here? Because I know you there are several, but I have, I've, caught, I've lost count. 25. 25. Okay. 
Um, I actually don't do order fulfillment at my website anymore. But okay. if you go there, you can see all the titles and it will send you to the links at affirmingfaith.org. Or if you just go to the Pentecostal Publishing House or Pentecostal Resource Group um, and you type in Lori Wagner, you should see most everything. But sometimes things don't always pop up just right. Uh, so you can try it either way. And there's things there's uh, Willie Johnson's book is available even on audiobook. We have ebooks. We have hardback paper books um so and the preach like a lady is a hardbound indexed handbook that's in two sections and one of them is how to's practical uh how to's and then the second part is uh the biblical and historical investigation into women in ministry okay well thank you for that information so you can make sure to get some of Sister Lori Wagner's books, the 25 books that she has. So um, they're all they're all listed. You said on Affirming Faith, affirmingfaith.org. Is that right? Okay, affirmingfaith.org. Well, thank you so much, Sister Wagner, for spending time with us today on the Exchange Podcast. It has been a pleasure. And to all of our listeners, until next time, God bless. Thank you. God bless you. You have a great day. <laughs>